Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, to places to dive, and scuba the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 493 is recorded live May 6th, 2021. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed, I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great <coughs> state of Michigan, where we are starting to see... Leaves on the trees. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, and I'm not too much worried about the leaves on the trees. It's the dandelions in my yard, or better, the dandelions in my neighbor's yards. Oh, the, so your your yard's fine. You're you're one of those where your yard is yes is perfect and fine, and then everybody else is is bringing in the alien species. Yep, I'm getting ready to get out some M80s and <laughs> M100s and toss down the little mole holes too, though. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that that has to be real popular in the in in city neighborhood. Well, I've I've got a technique. This one guy digs a nice straight hole down, so I'm going to put a M80 or a 100, light it, and then I got a steel plate to put right on top. I'm going to stand on it real quick. So all the explosion and concussion hopefully will migrate to his tunnel and give him a hell of a headache. Yeah, I, I think that's a good plan. Yep. If that doesn't work, propane is next. Propane? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little bit are out. So the rotonator returns then. Oh, I've got to try that a little bit anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can do so is this a sanctioned rotonator, or would this just be a, a hose off the end of the tank? A hose off the end of the tank. <laughs> I mean, it's worth a try. Come on. Yeah. yeah I, I advocate Just because you're old don't mean you know everything. That's where I can be a little stupid and tell you about it next week. Or my neighbors can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is our third week here of trying streaming on YouTube. I, th I think it's going to be a little bit better. Still trying to, to dial it in. We're just on the edge of the bandwidth that we need. Just that we're like that, that far apart from what we need to have a really good stream. So, and then it drops down real low every once in a while. Uh, we're getting there. We'll, we'll get this figured out. So I'm, gonna, I, I'm cutting back on a few things I tried last week in the hopes of adding some back end. So I've, I've got the articles will be running on a tablet to try and offload from the computer to see if I was maybe overloading the computer. I have a feeling I'm going to have to build a system just for streaming. But uh, So two weeks in a row, got them edited, got them out there. I'd like to thank everybody who's listening tonight. We have uh, Karen's in the chat room and also uh, watching the stream live on YouTube. We also have Eric and Dave this week. So thank you very much for tuning in and kind of testing this out. We'll eventually get this done. My, my goal is to get this refined and then we take the satellite dish on the road and we'll try some uh, live streams of some actual events. So that should be pretty good, as, as, especially since we're approaching our, was it 500 episodes? Is that what we're getting close uh -huh. to? We're at 493? Pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to do the math, figure out when that is. I got to get a dive in before 500. That'd be embarrassing. This weekend. Uh, didn't a lot of guys go out this weekend, uh, last we got... weekend? Didn't they go to the quarry for the meet and greet? 
the meet and greet was down there at Gilboa. Uh, I'd yep, love to hear from some of them to understand how that went. So, but uh, for the time being, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. Let's see. I think I've got a, an, an article already queued up. Let's see how this goes. This the first one on the list, really? Hyperbaric. Hyperbaric. Yeah, so the Hyperbaric Treatment Center to close temporarily for renovations. University of Hawaii Hyperbaric Treatment Chamber located in, oh goodness, another name I can't pronounce. We'll call that Decay Medical Center. The Kukini Medical Center will temporarily suspend all operations from June 28th through August 13th, undergo renovations, and is asking... The Hawaii scuba diving community plan accordingly. Queens Medical Center has agreed to provide limited uh, emergency hyperbaric services during the HTC renovations. Due to limited capacity, QMC will only be able to admit emergency patients who are suitable or stable and without need for other medical interventions. University of California, San Diego, multi-place hyperbaric chamber in San Diego, California will serve as a potential backup. Wow, that's a that's a distance, isn't it? Uh, it's a lot, and you're going to have to be in an airplane, pressurized to get there. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a pain. Ooh. I can't believe that they do not have one at the Navy facility. I, I would think they would, or they they could have made control. arrangements. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in an emergency, is an emergency. Well, the, the other thing is, could you have, uh, you know, brought in a uh, a seaborne? Uh, hyperbaric chamber seems like there should be some sort of because uh, you know commercial operators have to have maybe somebody could bribe one of them of course liability is probably what prevents many from even considering it we we regret the necessary disruption to hyperbaric service but look forward to resuming full operations with more modern and sustainable infrastructure in august thank you for your understanding and support says that the center has treated civilian divers for decompression sickness or the bends in Hawaii since 1983 and maintains 24 hours, seven days a week emergency service. In 2020, HTC treated 18 emergency patients provided more than 1,350 hyperbaric oxygen treatments for patients suffering from tissue damage due to infection, illness, and radiation. In 2019, 29 emergency patients were treated with more than 1,300 hyperbaric oxygen treatments were provided. I would love to know how many were uh, dive-related in that number. I was trying to look, and I don't see where it said that. I think it's interesting that that was a $1.6 million renovation, and the uh, state legislature paid for that. Yeah. Now, too bad you couldn't have done that during the pandemic <laughs> when you weren't letting people dive anyway. Yeah, actually, that's an odd about it but i don't think they were diving anyway yeah <laughs> if what, what do they they overhaul the chamber control station patient monitoring and system upgrades that looks pretty nice yeah that's a pretty decent sized uh, chamber they got there yeah did you see how many people they treated there they said uh 18 emergency patients more than 
1,350 oxygen treatments, hyperbaric oxygen treatments. Yeah. That's where the monolong comes in handy because you see what the, they were mm -hmm. doing was tissue damage due to infection, illness, and radiation. So the monolongs that they have there at uh, in Kalamazoo I would be ideal for that. I'm surprised they don't have some smaller units like that. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am as well. Or maybe they're just not counting them in the case of this article. That's true. Because a lot of hospitals have the smaller units. I mean, Lakeland here in St. Joe has the smaller units. Yep. Not necessarily suitable for uh, a Ben's treatment, but, I mean, something's better than nothing, I'm, I'm thinking. I would think so, too. I know they use it for gangrene, that kind of stuff. Um, monoxide poisoning, mm -hmm. they use it for that. And I can't remember, I used to remember the, um, I couldn't remember if it was 15 pounds or 28 pounds, because even one atmosphere would really help you out, I would think, if you had the bends and you had to have some kind of treatment. That would sure be not having any at all. Yeah. yeah and the monologue. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a look at this next one. Uh, if you remember, we had been covering the Franklin Expedition. The first crew member of Franklin's Lost Expedition that was left dead, left 129 dead, has been identified. Uh, in 1845, two ships departed England in search of unexplored areas within the Canadian Arctic, hoping to uncover secrets that lay in the magnetic data to help... Uh, aid exploration. Uh, the sailor in question was John Gregory, a warrant officer and engineer aboard the HMS Erebus, whose remains were discovered 75 kilometers south of Erebus Bay, where the frozen shipwreck was found. Uh, after teeth and bones were sampled for DNA, scientists have positively identified him through family analysis of his living descendants. Having John Gray's remains being the first to be identified via genetic analysis is an incredible day for our family, as well as those interested in the ill-fated Franklin expedition, said Gregory's great-great-great-grandson, Jonathan Gregory, who lives in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, in a statement. The whole Gregory family is extremely grateful to the entire research team for their dedication and hard work, which is so crucial in unlocking pieces of history which have been frozen in time for so long. What is known about the doomed voyage has been placed from local Inuit people, letters written prior to the crew's disappearance, examiners of the remains of the fated crew, uh, HMS Erebus and HMS Terror are waiting in, in uh, Buffin Bay uh, to the west of Greenland in July 1845, a good opportunity to continue their way on their sightings of the two ships made uh, whalers passing the area as the last confirmed sighting of the crew alive according to a note discovered in the aftermath according to victory point note franklin and his crew became stuck in the ice september 1846 around king william island these ships would never sail again but the crew were thought to have stayed on the ships for a few years whilst uh, they held out for hope for release from the surrounding ice following franklin's death on the 11th of june 1847 the crew made a decision abandon the ships attempting a desperate 400 kilometer journey uh, to the canadian mainland despite making an impressive distance to the northern coast all men would perish on this trek 
1848, a search party was sent to discover the ill-fated lost ship as combined with the efforts of subsequent explorers over the next century would begin to unravel the surrounding the expedition's end in 2014-2016, the wreck of the Erebus and the terror would be discovered. And there's the photo. I find it interesting. One, I don't understand the science of how they can take a skull and actually model a face out of it. It would have been interesting to see the model that they had and then one of the relatives to see if there are some semblance. Oh, that would have been neat. And the, and the second part is where they're uncovering the skull. Did you see the picture there? Mm-hmm. That's a very rocky area. I just wondered, did they find the rest of the torso? Because looking at the picture, I see his head, but I don't see any other bones. They say what year that was. Because there was some, I remember, gosh, it had to been as a kid. In National Geographic, they had found the bodies, but they hadn't found the ship back in that time. And I think there was some discussion where they were, that was lead poisoning. And I think that's later been reviewed. Yeah, that's what we used to hear. It was the, uh, well, botulism was one, the other was lead poisoning because of the lead seals on the cans back in those days. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, back at this first picture where you're saying how they do the recreations, uh, part of it yeah. is is they have to know or have to kind of guess what the ethnic background is because they they have, you know, different ancestry will have different amounts of uh, flesh and tendon and stuff above the bone. So they'll say, hey, we presume that this is a European uh, from this area, and then they 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 do the adjustments, and then they can model the clay. But yeah, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit of artistic license, I think, still still going in there. But like you said, it'd be it'd be kind of neat to see if they could uh, show us uh, what they may have looked like, you know, uh, or what their family looks like. How close were yeah. they? Is there some yeah. sort of uh, family resemblance? And did they actually do it from scratch, or did they look at some of the family members to maybe help them fudge it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. They could have done something like that as well. Well, how about this? Wouldn't mind finding something along these lines. Scuba diver finds rare Ice Age mammoth bone at the bottom of a Florida river. Uh, Florida scuba diver Derek Demeter and Harry Sadler found a four-foot, 50-pound mammoth femur embedded in the sand at the bottom of Peace River last Sunday in an interview with the Orlando Sentinel. They called it a -a once-in-a-lifetime discovery. When you uncover the fossil and realize that these were giant elephant-like creatures roaming around what was probably once grassland in Florida, it gives you a sense of wonder what it was like back in ancient times. Demeter, director of the Seminole State College, Emules Bueller, perpetual trust planetarium that it's a kind of way of time traveling it makes your imagination go wild yeah it's a big guy isn't it that's a pretty good size bone <laughs> that'd been pretty darn cool to find yeah it, it makes you wonder though if you found that one big one there's got to be other ones the same size yeah so this... would, you, would you go back out and look for more of those I would because the way they're current, I would go up current, wouldn't you? You would think so. It's got to be in the area. It's like it's not just a leg went. 
Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. a, it wasn't like takeout. You know, some <laughs> somebody just said, "I'll grab this leg and gnaw it in my way." Yeah. Uh, the parrot originally intended to head the Ven the Venice to search for shark teeth that day, April twenty fifth, but strong winds deterred them. Sadler told NBC two. Instead, the dive buddies decided to take a dip in the Peace River, uh, the waterway located in the city of Arcadia. Henry came up. It's like, Derek, I think I found something amazing and just freaking out. When I saw it, I couldn't believe it. I was in denial. It was really neat to be discovered. The pair speculate the bone belonged to a Colombian mammoth. So tall, a person would need to stand on the second floor of a building to touch his head. According to the National Park Service, Colombian mammoths inhabited Florida between 2.6 million years ago and 10,000 years ago. Predation by humans may have contributed their extinction, according to Florida Museum of Natural History. This one's much more dense, so we kind of think it's somewhere in the middle, probably 100,000 years old. Demeter told Fox 35 Orlando on the bone. In an Instagram po post, Sadler, who found the mammoth teeth in the river on one previous occasion, described it as almost completely undamaged and very well mineralized. While Sandler, looks, go ahead. I, I was going to say it looks pretty much intact, doesn't it? Yeah, it did. It it, it was in a pretty good shape. Uh, they they said while Sandler and Demeter typically donate their fossil discoveries to Florida Museum of Natural History, Sandler's middle school teacher in Saint Petersburg has uh, stationed the mammoth bone in the classroom to educate his students about ice age animal life. Uh, there they're able to see it, touch it, feel it, and really get a history of the natural world, he told the Sentinel. They've heard about saber-toothed tigers, and actually finding a piece of one of these animals and bringing it to these kids is just awesome. In addition to mammoth bone, Demeter and Sadler have recovered the remnants of ancient shark and the tip of a saber-toothed tiger canine during a dive, according to Fox 35. So. I think we need to be going down to Florida and diving that area. Yeah. Saber tooth tigers. Come on. Yeah. Shark teeth. And just tell us what's that was. like. Yeah. There you go. And then let's see what's the next one we have on uh, Pandora's box. Or not box. I, I inserted box. Pandora's padlock. On display two centuries after an infamous sinking. This is from ABC.com. Net.au. A priceless paddock, a paddock, padlock, which sank to the bottom of the Great Barrier Reef with HMS Pandora almost 230 years ago, will be unveiled at the world's first expedition in Townsville this weekend. The museum, Tropical Queensland, is reopening the doors to more than a year and has undergone, undergone major restoration work since it was damaged in a 2019 monsoon monsoon event. Its star exhibits is a large padlock believed to have shackled mutineers in Pandora's box, sending many watery grave in April 1791. Museum senior curator, maritime archaeologist Maddie McAllister, said the padlock went underwent a painstaking conservation process. This is the first time we find out some of the direct evidence about how the mutineers were breaking their shackles to escape Pandora as she was sinking. 
which by all accounts was really horrible. Dramatic experience for them, Dr. McAllister said. Shackled by the ankles, piled into dark box, not able to stand upright, is the reality faced by mutineers aboard the British warship as, the sh as she sank after crashing the Great Barrier Reef, taking 35 men with her. Having Pandora's collection here in Townsville is incredibly rare, Dr. McAllister said. There aren't many museums in the world, let alone Australia, that have a gallery dedicated to a shipwreck. A little bit of restoration work there in that padlock. And I think for the last one for this week is 1800 Shipwreck. The Darling finds temporary home in Mango Wahi ahead of restoration. This one's out of New Zealand. Uh, the 1800 Shipwreck has added another journey to its 157 year history. A trip to a new temporary home outside the museum. Uh, the Daring, a D-A-R-I-N-G, a schooner, which was uncovered. The shifting sands of Auckland's uh, beach in 2018 will sit outside the museum for three years while work is done to restore the vessel. It is removed by volunteer group Daring Rescue Team, which used several heavy-duty moving trucks over five days. Photo showing them an overhead view. Historical items were also found in the wreck, including shoes, bottles, tools, and a Freemason's neckerchief. The Daring Rescue Group group's Larry Paul said that the work was being done. Volunteers would start the search for a permanent location for the ship to be displayed. The plan is to create an all-purpose facility. He said that the Daring Discovery Center. We can we can't start work until we get further funding. So we are looking for people who are keen to help. Around 150 people showed up for a short ceremony to bless the ship's arrival, a karaoke, and a piper blessing. The two-masted schooner originally built as a cargo vessel at the boatyards. It was uh, wrecked twice, the first time in 1864, then again in 1865 uh, when sailing from uh, Taranaki to Manakua with a cargo of grass seed. So it's going to be out there in the weather, it looks like. Are they going to cover it up or something? I hope this goes well for them, but uh, we'll have to see. Oh, yeah, we, we never yeah, we never lost oh, any well, of I your audio. <laughs> I I saw that. I, I responded back. So, okay, you're good. Oh, okay. Uh, so, what, did you have any comments on that, the end of that last article? Uh Oh, you're on the bones? Yeah. I'd like to go dive in there. Oh, so you probably weren't even hearing me. Yeah, I didn't hear we, nothing. Yeah, because we went, we went through the, uh, here, I'll bring back up that Pandora wreck. You went to the, yeah, you were talking Pandora, and I, I my comment I had was it was priceless locks. <laughs> priceless lock. Well, I think that what they, what they find interesting about the lock was the kind of the story about it. I'm not familiar with that wreck, but it appears that there must have been some sort of mutiny and that the, the, uh, the mutinous part of the crew had been locked up in what they called Pandora's box, which was a small box where it was, you're too short to stand up in. And then the ship went down when it hit the uh, reef and the captives were we're trying to break their shackles to get out and prevent from drowning, but it sounds like everybody perished. I just, I just say the words priceless padlock and it's like, 
Okie dokie. Yeah. If, if you had that and, and it was exposed and there was other items, if I was going to take something, I probably would not have taken either of those. But but if they put in the article cheap old padlock, then nobody would have probably read it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 like ah oh, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, and then that that shipwreck. Um, now we had seen that before, but this yep. is where they're actually salvaging it. Yeah. And this is pretty decent as opposed to pieces of lumber on the beach that you uncover with sand. Mm -hmm. This is. This is a shipwreck. Yeah. Yeah, this is. But how much did that cost? Well, if I remember at the time, there was volunteers who were doing quite a bit of it. But I'm sure there's, I mean, you got, if you count the volunteers' money and time in it, you probably have yeah. a couple million dollars easy. Yeah. That's a trust fund, actually, that's paying for this. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but I always look at what's the return on the investment? And seriously, from the historical aspect, is it worth that much to you? How much would you pay to see that wreck? Uh, I mean, I I can't think it's something on its own, unless there's such an amazing story with it that people want to see it. I mean, it's one thing mm -hmm. if you can get the Titanic up on shore and people can tour it, <laughs> but you know, something like this. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of, I mean, maritime museums. I mean, maritime museums are, are really saying that they're full and packed. Mm -hmm. Probably not many. Uh, but what I was well, noticing, go ahead. I was going to say the aerial shot where they've coming up from the top. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really interesting. The, the aft end is gone, the rudder is gone. But it's not a lot there. I mean, you take some pictures, take some measurements, take some samples. And uh, not a lot to see, unless it was underwater. Yeah, well, underwater would be <laughs> kind of cool. Well, then you got the challenge of it. Yeah. Well, plus you you, you want to go diving anyway. I mean, we go diving to see a, a sand beach. I mean, it just when there's something to look at, it's it's that much better. And and uh, yeah. Well, I think part of it is if this were under the water, not great viz. It's partially covered in sand, you've got your imagination that's filling in the blanks. This way, it's stark, it's plain, it's like the mystery's not there. Mm -hmm. the, the what if, yeah. what's hidden, it's revealed and now it's not so nice. Just some. Yeah, the one thing I noticed is that it appears that it's outside. Uh, you know, the, you've taken it out of the sand where it was somewhat protected. It's now sitting basically in a parking lot. Uh, it sounds like they're going to do restoration work on it for the next three years, but is it going, is it going to start to degrade? Yeah, I was just looking for a spray system. I went to another section uh, because generally they say, what do you got to do? You got to put it in water mm -hmm. or at least spray it so it's continually, you know, minimizing its evaporation and splitting of the wood. Well, maybe with this is different because they found it in a sand dune. I don't know. Could the wood have already, you know, reached environmental humidity? So, well, I think you take it up here where you've got all sorts of animal and infestations, because uh, it looks like it's going to be 
part of the jungle behind it if you looked at the pictures yeah what what animals or creatures like uh wood <laughs> woodpeckers other, other <laughs> termites than, well termites i've seen some of those termite mounds there well carpenter ant. i'm just curious uh, yeah yeah they got that uh, okay yeah certainly i'm glad they've got the money or they seem to yeah well that does it for scuba news not mostly painless I, th I think we we made it through that uh the meet and greet uh down there at gilboa this last week so, so some people are getting out there doing some diving so as we had covered a few episodes ago gilboa is under new ownership so i, I would love to hear some firsthand comments on how that went today well i know that uh that uh, Jim had a call out there for somebody to bring some tanks. And I thought Sweeney Bob goes to that every year. Yeah. And I haven't seen any, anything posted on Facebook. So unless it's this weekend and not last weekend, that would explain it. Yeah. Well, I thought it would have been. I'm going to take a look at the, the great big book of everything. See what we've got there. I was going to say it was last week. I thought it was last week. Yeah. Did you hear of anybody else getting any diving in? No, I have not. One of I've talked to is Mary Beth, and she was offering duck eggs again. Her ducks must be just really producing <laughs> when you're giving them more free. Oh. And as a side note, as a note, I did have French toast today with duck eggs. <laughs> with duck eggs, really? Yes. Okay. I can't say if I've ever had, I don't remember ever having. I actually, they were pretty tasty. So I had then, then I scrambled a bunch after. So Thursday, we always have breakfast for dinner. Yeah. It looks like I'm looking at Facebook and, uh, be great. Uh, it looks like there's two or three threads going on at the same time. He says, anybody at the meet and greet, bring back a couple of tanks. Then Gary said he'd bring them back. Oh, he said they're in his truck now. So, yeah, they must, that must have been last weekend because they made it into his truck. Yeah, that's what Karen's saying also in the chat room. Yeah, I always say, take your camera. It's not that it didn't happen, but we like to see the pictures. Yeah, we, some of us, that's as close as we get. I've, I've never been able to make the meet and greet. Never have either. Someday I'll do it. But I do intend to hit the water this Saturday. Excellent. As long as it's not lightning. Yeah. So what's the location you're planning on? The river. Oh, okay. <laughs> Niles. Niles, okay. Yeah, I got a job coming up. That'll be in the St. Joe River, but that's that maybe next week also. I was hoping the rain, uh, you know, we got a little uh, sediment washed in from the rain the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. I was hoping for a few days of no rain to help clear that out. Yeah, that would help. You know, a little, a little no rain will get things going. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I think I'm just going to do wetsuit, make it a short dive. Okay wetsuit is it, is it warm enough yet for a wetsuit in uh, the river 
Well, if I don't have anybody with me, I have to have a wetsuit because I can't do my back step. Oh, okay. I'm just having... So I will get wet this week. Yeah. One way or another, gonna. Yep. Find a way. It's always nice having some shore people, though. I mean, you never know when you might have a problem or a difficulty. Yeah. And I always hate asking strangers, hey, you mind unzipping my suit? They yeah. look at you a little funny when you do that. Like, <laughs> excuse me? Say what? Yeah, uh, Dave was saying in the chat room there's some posts on Facebook by people who attended. I must not, they must not be in my feed. I, yeah, same I, here. I, I didn't see that. So Karen, before the show, was asking, it looks like uh, that she's got a new... Got a hummingbird? Yeah, let's see. She says she's got a new Garmin, abating about leaving on the old hummingbird and putting the sensor for the Garmin on the other side. Wasn't it's, sure. it's really good. It's really good to have two GPSs. Mm -hmm. One for your survey, because you can't do GPS routing and tracking. Mm -hmm. So if you got two, you use one for your tracking to make sure your zones are right and leave the other one so you're not having to switch back and forth. Because almost everybody I know now, minimum for two GPSs. Now, now is there a problem with the sensors? Uh, will they compete with each other? Well, well, one, you're just using the GPS. You're not using the down oh, imaging or anything. Okay. But she could have both, both uh, down imagers on, just maybe not run them both at the same time. I know it. I'm not sure we're going to cross frequencies I have for the Garmin versus the uh, Hummingbird. But you really got to have two people because you got to have one to pilot. And if you're going to do your lanes, you really do need to be watching the GPS, not switching back and forth. And you need somebody watching for the blips and ready with the hand buoys to throw over when you find it. Well, it was kind of nice when, because Jim's unit uh, had the two big screens and I was sitting in the front of the boat and he just flipped the, the screen so I could see it. It was upside down, but I could still, mm -hmm. uh, so he could run the lanes and then I could look and see if I could find anything. Yep. That was nice. So uh, let's see, was Eric was saying, looks like it runs on 200 kilohertz. I was always conservative. I never ran mine at full depth. And again, we were only looking maximum, maybe 120 feet because mm -hmm. We kept looking for that barge off a of cook plant that I dove that one night bazillion years ago by a fisherman in the middle of the night yeah. and uh, cannot refine that sucker. Yeah. It's irritating. There's a lot of sand movement out there. Yeah. Sand moves around quite a bit. It's, it's amazing how that happens. I'm, when we see a, a shipwreck and well, like, the uh, max wreck and that's got sand up to the rails yep i would so much like to be able to get permission to dig out the chain locker i mm -hmm. think if we did that since the windlass is there and that's really a very old looking windlass yeah the way the style is i think that if we get into the chain locker we'd be able to find something in that area to uh maybe give us a vintage or a year of it yeah, I'm I'm guessing that anything that was in the bottom of the boat's still there. Yep. I am willing to bet that. One of those the, the tantalizing, a little tease for some uh archaeological program who could 
be willing to get the permits and do the effort. And and here it is in the south part of Lake Michigan. You'd have, uh, yep. you know, you don't have to travel up to the UP or go down to Florida. You can do it right here and you know, do a nice summer term. And if you go straight off of Waco Beach, you don't have to do that traverse. So if you put a pontoon boat out there and just let people work on it all day, you could go back and forth from the shore. Yeah, you it's could, only less than two miles offshore. Yeah, you could shuttle. Yep. Safety factor is increased by doing it that way. Because mm -hmm. one of the thoughts was to just more buoy about, not a buoy, but a barge about around it. Mm -hmm. And then let them do their surveys from that. And if we had some good weather, you're good. Yeah. Well, the change, you bring the barge in or the, the yeah, well, the barge. And, but you still need to take it in and out. That was a pretty heavy. Yeah. And we had sort of looked around to see who might volunteer to do that because they're all, they're out there a lot, especially right now, putting stone again for shoreline erosion. Oh, okay. So the only problem is we could get somebody to help it set, but if a big storm came up, we'd have another wreck on, on our hands. <laughs> or we'd have a shoreline uh, wreck. Yeah. Well, let's see. Do we have anything else that we want to cover? this week well you know we could mention that we are going to do some short 30 minute talks uh, i've already taken your list and started uh getting the information one that i found exceedingly interesting where we were talking about shipwrecks we want to put a shipwreck here in lake michigan mm -hmm. you know they do it in florida they do it over other places why can't we do it here so doing a little research on why you can and why you can't I discovered a lot of interesting items, especially when you talk about saltwater wrecks in the Pacific. There are in some places where they actually sank wrecks for that purpose, yeah. for recreational, uh, and some that were sunk but never salvaged. They have really, um, the way they are decaying mm -hmm. is killing the area. Oh, really? Yes, I had never heard about it. And they gave an example of one they had put down, decided it was going to be bad, and it cost them umpty scratch million dollars to remove it. Was that was that one of them where they're having problems with the with the wiring on that was left on the vessel? No. It was a combination of the paint, the cargo, and the deterioration of the metal. Hmm. And this is not the wooden ones are not an issue. It's the newer ones. Uh, so when we start to talk about that, we're going to have some really interesting talks, and I think people will really enjoy hearing some of that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm actually referring to is we're doing these, you know, we're, we're taking the podcast and we're doing a live stream version, trying to come up with that to make it something interesting. We want it to where if you're listening in the car, it still makes sense. But if you want to kind of see some of the images have some stuff not so much that you're a little irritated if you're in the car but maybe it encourages you to come back and watch the video but there's some stuff we've wanted to do with the with the video and some of it would be some uh short to medium size content some some videos we would do that'd be 10 to 15 minutes on a particular topic and then we may even do some long forms a little bit uh call it a deeper dive into some of these ideas so okay. and and some of this 
we're going to be together in one location. Yeah. Makeshift studio. So the content hopefully will be more consistent and uh, yeah. we're not relying on satellites and internet <laughs> speed. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do a full edit and then post it up. So it'll, yeah. it'll looking forward to those. A little different. Yeah. So we'll get that up. I'm, I'm working on a studio here at the house. So. Yeah. You want to share some of the topics? Uh, let me see what I had. That folder. Well, obviously, underwater shipwrecks. Can we do it in the Great Lakes? Why or why not? Oh, That's one of the big sink, Sinking a wreck. Right. Uh, one was putting on the college dive. Mm -hmm. You know, what's involved in doing that and what's the best way. So if other people want to be doing it, we're going to give you some tips from experience. You know, what, what did we do and uh, what did we learn? You know, some uh, what to do's and what not to do's. And sometimes the what, what not to do's are very important. Yep. What else did we have? Uh, I wanted to do some, some practical stuff, you know, maybe on mass and tanks. Yeah, you know, we talked so, about that. Some of it be a little clickbaity. You know, the, well, like, like you said, one of them you, we talked about a little bit is, how come they always say, and the diver in his oxygen tanks. Yes. <laughs> well, I did the research on that, and it's quite interesting, the logic behind that, that I never really appreciated. So we'll share that with them. Excellent. So we'll, we'll get working on those here pretty soon. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I think they're going to be good. People are going to like them. So I think we are getting to that time of the show. Did I lose you? Nope, you're good. I'm right here. Okay. A little bit of a buffering going on with the live stream. So damn satellite. Yeah, it's a satellite. We'll see. Uh, getting getting a little bit more. I I what I the tough thing is producing. You know, doing the producing of the video, of the audio, doing all the show notes. I mean, I've I feel like I need four hands and about seven monitors. So. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll eventually get there. So, are you ready? I'm sitting down. Okay. My sister bet me a hundred dollars I couldn't build a car out of spaghetti. You should have seen the look on her face as I drove pasta. Uh, that's the only problem with having video. <laughs> we need to see the audience's video, not ours. Yeah, we need to see them. Yeah. Well, how about the, we'll we'll do another one? I I went to the zoo the other day. It was empty except for a single dog. It was a shit zoo. <laughs> okay, that's good but bad. <laughs> <laughs> So where do animals go when their tails fall off? The retail store. Okay, and then... And if the people do not like these, <laughs> the solution is send us yours. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, please, please. I, I'm beyond <laughs> digging in the bottom of the barrel. I'm, uh, yeah, this, this is the... Scraping the internet. Is that a term? Hmm. So why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Because the P Tell is silent. Oh, the P is silent. Of course, I think I probably said pterodactyl wrong. 
Like yes, you did. See, see, maybe that's part of the charm, I would say. <laughs> so until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. <laughs>